Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. So a buddy of mine, Kevin Snow, said there's a guy you over in the UK you've got to meet. Um, I think he'd be a really good fit for your podcast. And let me tell you, he wasn't wrong. When I sat down with Andy and we went through this episode, wow, what a great guy. What a great score story. Um, and I'm really honored to have him on the show uh, just sharing just some good, real, authentic stuff that that – it was just tremendous value. Enjoy this one. And as always, guys, this show is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Services, the number one safety and security company in all of the state of Texas. Um, what I think sets them apart from everybody else is man, they're using off-duty police officers to protect our freeways, construction workers, our lives as we drive home, our construction sites in general, corporate offices, you know, any assets you have out there, they're taking off-duty officers, helping them get additional income for their lives, their families, so they can take care of the ones they love while they take care of us. And they're employing them to sit in and allow them to earn money protecting all of our assets. Guys, do me a favor. Go over to pointblanksafetyservices.com. Tell Stacy I sent you. And, and I just pr promise, if you're in Texas and you need safety and security, they are the company that will absolutely take care of you. And then Icy Tech Coolers, man. I'm telling you, I'm so blown away by these coolers. They, they and, and I keep talking about how lightweight they are. But truthfully, these coolers are the best cooler I have ever had. Um, they literally have more color options than any cooler in the marketplace. And they are just wicked. I throw them in the back of the truck. I'll fill it full of ice and beer. It's going to stay all day. And, you know, we've already found out that maybe if I've had too many adult beverages that and, and we leave the cooler out, you know, in the back patio, back of the truck. Um, of course, we're not driving or anything, but but if we leave the cooler in the back of the truck um, and get up next morning, the ice is still there. I mean, it really is almost like the ice didn't melt off. I mean, this cooler is so amazing. Head on over to icy-tech.com. Use the promo code SUCCESS and you'll get $25 off any cooler purchase. So that's icy-tech.com. Enter the word SUCCESS and then we'll give you $25 off any cooler purchase you make. Now, back to Andy Bounds. Your success and greatness is ready to take flight right now. The fruits of your labor are just turning right, right now. That's why you planted all those seeds so you can take a bite right now. The unbelievable, it's now believable. You're reaching new heights right now. The ground is no place for champions. The ground is no place for champions. The ground is no place for champions. All right, guys, going to be another fun episode. We're kicking it back across the pond, and I'm bringing in Andy Bounds, and I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I'm Donnie Bovey, and this is Donnie Success Champions. Andy, my friend, welcome to the show, brother. Please tell us your story. Hey, thanks, Donnie. So so my uh, job is I, I work with people on their communication, um, and my story is my family background. My mom is blind. 
So when I was learning how to speak as a, what are you, two, three, um, the person who told me to speak can't see. So therefore, she taught me um, using description. Whereas I imagine when you learn how to speak as a child, it was a sighted person who taught you. So usually we teach children through visual means. Yeah. And what I found is when I was younger that the way people will communicate with my mom, um, sometimes she would understand and sometimes she wouldn't. And it wasn't that people didn't want her to understand. It's just they didn't know how to communicate with blind people. And as I got more and more interested in this, I started studying how people um, want to receive information. And I became, I guess, a bit of an expert at helping people communicate because when I work with my clients now, I say to them, you know that thing you're saying? Well, they are blind to your priorities. They're blind to why they should give you any money. They're blind to why they should even listen to you. So my job, in effect, is to help blind people see, to help your communications work. That's my story. Wow, that is pretty cool. Um, you know, you never think about that. How a child grows up with, you know, their, one of their parents being blind. Um, mm. That's a really, really, really interesting concept to me because. You know, of course, I think a lot of people through the journey have been around people who have had sight impairments, you know, or legally blind and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always that first interaction where it's, it's almost, it's not off putting, but it's just not normal. You're not around, you're not around it all the time, you know? Um, so how did she teach you to learn to communicate? through descriptions. I mean, that, that's so, I mean, cause you're right. Mom handed me, you know, here's a picture of a horse, say horse, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. How, how, did, yeah. how did that work for you? So, so what she would do is she, I mean, she wouldn't know there was a picture of a horse there in that example. So she would just talk to me and, um, and so on. But when I was younger, I used to have this passionate desire for mom not to miss out on stuff, you know? So if we watching, if we were watching TV, I mean, there's a thing now on uh, DVDs called audio description, where you explain to blind people what, what, what's on the screen. Um, but that wasn't around when, when I was young. So I would always say to her, how can I describe this so you understand it? You know, should I say it in this way or this way? Should I say this sentence first or this sentence first? And I became almost obsessed with, there must be a better way to do this. You know, there must be a better way to do this. And I remember very clearly once, um, we were at a cafe, and this gentleman was being really nice to mum, or so he thought, but mum didn't quite understand what he was saying. And he was getting a bit embarrassed because he knew he wasn't getting his point across. And she was a bit embarrassed because she wanted to be nice because he was trying to help, but it wasn't working. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, to this poor gentleman, if you just had said this instead, you both would have been happy. And, and that's what I love about what I do now, Donnie, because in effect, I say to my customers, oh, if you just had said that, both you and the other person would have been happy. Right, right. Yeah, but, but you know, most people, when, when they communicate, they really don't care about the other person. You know, people communicate to, to other people how they want to be spoken to. You know, for, for, yeah. for years, I spent in the sales game teaching people that, look, you can't sell to people the way you buy. Right. Because if you sell the way you buy, you lose the deal because that's not how they buy. Yes, of so, course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's this feeling, isn't it? Sometimes you, you, you know, you're talking to people and, and what's that phrase? I hate this phrase when people say, now, if I was you and you sort of <laughs> want to stop and go, yeah, but you're not me. Right. <laughs> so, anything you're about to say is totally irrelevant.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, what happened in in junior high, high school? You realized you were going to be this visionary expert communication <laughs> guy and all these big stages and all that kind of stuff. I mean, how how did you go from I'm teaching mom how to understand what what we're seeing and she's not to mm. to stages and books and all that? Okay, cool. So I'd love to say there was this amazing thing. I can be a visionary and change the world, but it wasn't really that. What what happened was I um, I went to, I had my first job, so I was a CPA, so a qualified accountant. And uh, although that was quite good, it gave me a good basics in you know finance and commerce and so on. It didn't float my boat much. You know, I didn't wake up excited about it. And then a company asked me if I wanted to do some work for them. And it was the place where I trained in my CPA exams. Now, I went there. And when I was there, I suddenly became really interested in, I'm talking to these people. They're very clever. They really want to pass their exams. If they do, $5,000 pay rise. If they don't, they maybe lose their job. They have got to understand this. And I knew a lot about explanation because of mum. But then I started thinking, there must be more science behind this. So then I started researching all the psychological and behavioral aspects of memory and learning and retention and and all this sort of stuff. Um, And I became really interested in it. And my my life-changing moment was the most boring presentation I've ever been to because (laughs) when I I went to a presentation by a bank and it was just, oh, Donny, it was awful. It was so (laughs) boring. And I thought, why are you being so boring? You know, you've, you've paid for this venue, you've paid for this food, you've paid to try and impress people, and it's rubbish. And, and then I went home and I reflected on it, and I thought, I think I've seen a few presentations like that. And then coincidentally, one week later, I was at another presentation by another bank, and that was also dire. And it suddenly dawned on me, this is normal. What I think is dire is normal. And it took me um, this is a bit embarrassing. I was 31 at the time. So it took me 31 years to realize I knew things other people didn't. And that's right. when it started because yeah, it was a dreadful presentation. You know, isn't it amazing though, how many often you'll hear the story of somebody saying, so I went to this thing and it sucked, right? You know, and yeah. it was bad yeah. and it was horrible. You know, I wonder why people, you know, so many times on their journey have to wait to an, a horrible experience before they step into their own to, to sure. out. because for me, I mean, it's, it's funny is, um, I went on as a guest on a podcast show that was atrocious, um, and just horrible. And that, and that was me going, well, hell, if this guy can have any success, I'm in. Right. And that's how I started yeah. my show. You know, sure. it's that same thought process. So it is. So help me out a little bit. What made those guys so bad? I mean, I know they were boring, but why were they boring? What was it? Because they just, they clearly hadn't thought, what do these people want to know? Um, they just didn't know how to see things through a blind person's eyes. You know, I, I mean, the way I like to think of this is my mum is one of the most intelligent people I know. So in the history of law, mum was the second blind qualified lawyer that Britain has ever had, the UK's wow. ever had. So she's super bright but she just can't see. And the way this bank was talking was I thought, you know, there's some clever people in this room, but you just don't see things from our point of view. So what they did is, for example, the opening slide said, we were founded in 1922 or something. So the first thing they told us is they were old. <laughs> I don't care. 
<laughs> and then the next slide, they had a map of their offices. And I thought, I don't care where, you, where you're based. And then they had a split of their revenue. And I thought, I certainly don't care where you get your revenue from, because that suggests to me, you just see your customers as revenue. So I'm thinking, looking at your pie chart, I wonder which red segment you think I'm in. It was just nuts. I mean, every single thing. It's almost like if they just come up and said, you, Andy, are bald, and we think your hair is ridiculous. It would have been almost as rude as that. It was just totally (laughs) inappropriate. But then, you know, joking apart, we see, I mean, you say you work in sales, we see these all the time. I mean, I say to salespeople, the only things customers care about are themselves and their future. What they don't care about is the opposite of that, which is you and your past. So right. if you start off by well saying, said. we were founded in 1922, that's the wrong person in the wrong time frame. If you yeah. say to someone, we can help you generate $50 million in the next three months, then I'm probably listening. Yeah, you know, but it's interesting. You know, I know... And I'm curious if you think all communication happens this way, because I know for a salesperson, they do that because of nerves, nervous energy. Yeah. You know, they walk into the room and, you know, people, I often believe, need that connection so they can let their hair down and have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. And when they walk in and they get that 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 stoic type personality or they don't know how to make that kind of instant bond, you know, they default to, well, let me, you know, kill you by death by a PowerPoint, right? You know, they yeah. go to like almost this presentation mode because they don't know how to turn the conversation. Is it the same way in all communication? Yeah, you see that a lot. And one of the things which, which I find people um, often um, mistake here, Donnie, is they they might go in and prepare some stuff like, you know, some slides or some documents or an agenda, whatever it is. But one thing they don't prepare and they should is they don't prepare questions. So they don't sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and think, what am I going to ask this lady to get her talking? You know? And so think about it. If you were to go and do a presentation and the only thing you prepared was slides, then all you're doing is preparing to talk because that's what slides do. Absolutely. But everyone knows the world's best presentations are interactive. So I have a simple thing like when you're doing a presentation and you have your little speaker notes, make sure there's a question in your speaker notes for each slide. And then that way you talk and then you ask a question and they talk. But people don't do this. They, it's, it's almost like if you want to be interesting, just think, <laughs> what do people find interesting? And then do that. Yeah, yeah. Know? That's really because the number one skill of the top salespeople in the world is the ability to ask the right questions. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so, so th- I'm really enjoying this, Andy. So, so here's the thing when somebody's giving a presentation, I think a lot of times they slip into this I've got to be the guru. Right. I've got to yes. know everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, from that perspective, they're thinking, why the hell would I put a question in there? Cause they may ask me something I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, and so again with this, it, it's a funny, whenever I hear the word guru, I always think, <laughs> um, someone called me that the other day and I thought you're only saying guru cause you can't spell charlatan. Um, that's so, a meme, Andy. You need to get a social meme out there that says that when you say guru, it's because you can't spell charlatan. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. And everyone goes, yeah, I've met Andy Bounds, and that is right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so you have this idea, and, and people often are fearful if they ask a question, they won't know what's coming up. And then I say to them, well, in that case, prepare questions, of course, but then also prepare what I call the dread. So think about the stuff you're dreading happening and work out what you're going to say if it happens. 
Right. So, I mean, again, I mean, we keep talking about salespeople. We could talk about anyone with this, but let, let's use a very common example in sales. A lot of people don't like hearing the price objection. And I say to salespeople, if you don't know in advance how you're going to handle it when somebody says the price objection, that's almost negligent. You know, it's going to come up. It comes up all the time. You can't burst into tears every one time mentions price. You know, it's coming up. So, and it's a similar thing. You know, if you are asked a question in a presentation you don't know the answer to, you can't burst into tears. You have to know how to deal with that. So it's part of your prep. So I say to people, don't just prepare your slides, but also prepare your questions and prepare your answers to the stuff you're dreading. Prepare a couple of things that people will think is cool. Um, you know, there's a thing called Google. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but go on Google. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it won't last, will it? Yeah. So I saw it someone the other day, and they were doing a presentation on, get this, global reputation management. I mean, there's a title for you. I don't and know they what the said, hell that means. Oh, neither do I. And I don't think she either. Yeah? Right. And I said, well, just go on Google and type in reputation, funny. And then go on YouTube and type in reputation funny. And then go on a quotations website, reputation's funny. Come back to me in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, she goes, I've got some great content for my presentation. <laughs> but we don't do that, do we? We don't no. think how to be interesting. We just think, what do I want to shout at people? Well, and I, you know, it's, 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 I don't think people spend time trying to put themselves in a mindset of the people they're communicating to. You know, if you're given a presentation on stage and you've got an audience you know, uh, going back to this kind of guru mindset, they're, they're doing the presentation. So people mm -hmm. will go, wow, look at me, right? Yeah. Versus what can I teach them? What, what can I show them? You know, what can they learn from this? And in mm. addition, what can I learn from them in the process because of the interaction? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, really, really wild watching a lot of people go on stages. Um, there's an organization in the U.S. and it's called One Million Cups. And it's brilliant. Yeah. What it is, um, is you, know, you get these entrepreneurs that come together and they pitch their business for six minutes and then they get feedback from the crowd for 20 minutes on advice in their company. And you mm -hmm. always know the person who comes to that event prepared to learn from the audience things they can do better for their business and the ones that came there to sell. I the great. ones in front of the room, you know, that came to sell, they they come out and as soon as somebody asks a question, they go on the defensive. Right? right. And and it's like they're ready to to pick a fight where the ones who came to learn from the advice, you know, immediately like pull out a pen and paper and start jotting these things down. You know, sure. how does somebody prepare for, you know, even a presentation like that? to where they know they're going to get feedback, they know they're going to get questions, you know, and things along those lines. Okay, what a great question. I love that one. Um, so again, it's to do with preparing in advance how you're going to respond. So I have two or three things which I ask when people give me feedback. So um, one of them might be, because feedback is a gift, right? You know, so when someone gives you feedback, you say, thanks for the feedback, just like you would say, thanks for the gift. Um, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? And Love people it. always say, yeah, what do you want to know? Um, and then I might say, could you give me a specific example about what you've just said? Or how would you advise I would do that differently? Or could you just tell me a little bit more about what you were thinking? Or um, could I just ask, why, why do you say that? I mean, I absolutely agree with it, but I'm just wondering what's behind the feedback you've just given. So in other words, very often 
it's very hard for people to give feedback, which is so brilliant. You can hear one sentence and think, right, I'm going to pivot entirely and change everything because of that one. So you need more information. So it's like when people say, I need to be good at active listening. And you say, okay, so what questions do you ask to find stuff out? Because the only way to listen actively is if they tell you active stuff. So questions like, could you explain that a bit more? Or what do you mean by that? Or why do you say that? Or what would you do if you were me? These are gold dust questions because it means now we're listening to understand. We're not listening. So it's now our turn to speak straight afterwards. Yeah. Do you also find that in then asking those type of almost reversing questions that the people almost have to clarify what they're asking in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And occasionally, I mean, you don't see it very often, um, but occasionally someone asks a question in the audience because they want to show how clever they are, you know, which which actually doesn't help the presenter and it doesn't help anybody else in the room. So when you ask a question like, you know, before I answer that, can I just ask what's behind that? Why did you ask that? Just That's a very, yeah, 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 it just yeah, puts it back yeah. on Because in effect, they're saying, I was trying to show I'm clever. I mean, they won't <laughs> say that, but that's right, what everybody right. in the room knows, you know? Right, so right, it right. us because it means that, yes, if the question was meant with, um, in good faith, you get more value from it. But if it was meant maybe in bad faith, it's a nice way just to calmly and gently deal with it. Well, you know, and I love the emotional intelligence behind that because that's brilliant. Because my my MO is if I'm on a stage and somebody's trying to, you know, get that one up on me or whatever, mm-hmm. I will just call them out. I'm like, all right, come up, you teach it. And yeah. usually that'll <laughs> shut them down, but that's my style. But yeah. I, 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 I prefer your, the emotional intelligence behind yours where you're like, oh, that's, that's a brilliant question. What's behind that question? Because it forces them to do exactly what you said. That That's yeah. a gem, brother. I'm borrowing that one. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, I'm going to borrow yours as well. <laughs> you know, so so how do you do this? How, how are you teaching all of this type of stuff? Because this is priceless information. I mean, because whether you're in sales, whether you're giving presentations, or, you know, whether you're just trying to talk to your team, you know, you know, this is all priceless type stuff because people don't focus enough on the words that come out of their mouth. They're only worried about what somebody will think about them in the process. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. How do you teach this stuff to people? So there's, there's two or three things that I do. The one of them is to, firstly, they have to see they need to change. And because if I say to you, Donna, you're not very good at communication, you will quite rightly say, yes, I am. Who are you to tell me? Right. You'll pick a fight. Yeah. But if someone says to me, oh, actually, I could have done that better, then that helps. So uh, one thing that I might do to start with if I was working, so it doesn't have to be sales, but say with a sales team, um, is I might get a recent sales presentation their company has done. And then I will blank out the client's name so we don't know who it was to and who delivered it. And I say, right, I'm going to present this to you for three minutes and I want you to find three things you like and three things you don't like. And so I pretend I'm one of them, if you like, and they pretend they're the customer. And then after those three minutes, I say, have a conversation with your partner. What did you like? What did you not like? And then let's have a shout out. And when we have the shout out, people begin to say, I was bored in slide one. Why did we use a title called About Us? Why did we have that map? Why did we have a map? <laughs> you know? Why did we do a pie chart? Why did we do this? And it's lovely for me because I just watched the room creating their own need 
if you right. like. So I don't need to say you're no good. They say, can you improve it? Right. And then right. once they're there, Donny, what I then do is I then show them the building blocks of, of doing this. And you know, I'm very happy I can share whatever building blocks you like, but there's basically three things people have to get right. So I run through those three and then we start applying it to their particular circumstance. Oh, I, I love that. You know, and just keep going back to the second time you said the map. What keeps going through my head is there's apps like Waze, there's Google Maps. I mean, just tell them the address if you absolutely need to. They'll put it in their GPS and they'll get to your office, I promise. Yes, they will find you. They will. <laughs> I keep loving this idea of which pie in that, in that financial chart am I. Um, yeah. That's brilliant. So I love this because, you know, I think, and you've said it before, that, that all instruction should be interaction. There should never be a situation where someone is dictating to you, you know, what the knowledge is. It's like sitting in a history class of some sort and somebody saying in 1862, blah, 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 blah happened, right? Nobody uh-huh. cares. Yeah. You know, I'm not, yeah. nobody cares, but a lot of people don't care, right? Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. You know, so I love this, this whole thought process of taking their information, putting it up, and you giving the presentation to them to get them to interact with you. That's, that's, that's really, really, I mean, Andy, I think I like you. I think we're going to be friends, man. Yeah, um, no, I feel we're doing good. Here. <laughs> so, so walk me through some of these building blocks, you know, how okay. does, does somebody, you know, stack these up? Right. So the building blocks are the, the most important thing with communication. So this is the building block. And I say this when I'm, when I'm working, whether I'm on stage in front of thousands or doing one-to-one coaching, I say the most important thing you have to know with communication in this Communication is not about what you say, it's about what people do after you've said it. Mm. So communication is not about your say, it's about their do. So the most important aspect of a communication is you have to end by asking them to do something or they won't do anything. So if that's a salesperson, you have to ask for the sale. But if you're someone who's writing an email, the bottom line of your email really should say, so based on what I've just said, please can you hit reply and do this. And as soon as you've done that, I'll do this. So every single email should end with, please do this. And then I'll do that. But no emails do. They always end with, if you got any questions, let me know. And yeah. And so nobody asks anyone to do anything. And whenever you see presentations, the final slide should say, um, you know, this is the call to action. This is my ask of you. This is what I want you to do. These are our next steps. But nobody ever does that. Last slides normally say, thank you, in which case people say, you're welcome, now get out. (laughs) Um, uh, You might say any questions, in which case there'll be questions, but no actions. Or people often say the word summary, which is great because you just repeat what you've just said, but still (laughs) no actions. Right. Um, Uh, Oh, sorry, I could go. uh, Meeting. Meetings always end with any other business. Stop doing any other business. Cross that out and put actions arising. So don't talk about more stuff. Get some action. And so the first building block is you have to end, you have to end with a call to action. I mean, I could look at my children and wish they went to bed, but unless I give them a call to action saying, please go to bed, they won't. Right. <laughs> no, this is awesome. And it's so true because, you know, I, I go back to the, the meeting one. As soon as you say, you know, any other business, You've just said to hell with everything we talked about. Let's go on to a completely new topic. Yeah. And, and, and the thing we'll talk about is yeah. what the person in the room 
happens to want to talk about, which might or might not be relevant to us. I yeah. hate any other business. I just I would ban it if I could. And then the other one, the summary. You know, let me tell you what I've already told you, so I can tell you again, right? That's yeah, brilliant. Bit faster, bit faster. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to speed it up. Here's the bullet points. <laughs> Cliff Notes version. That's funny. <laughs> but I, and I love the bottom of the email signature. Uh, I'm actually going to try and borrow that because because it's it's really the truth is, you know, so I work with a ton of VAs that, that do mm -hmm. different aspects inside my business. And I'm always trying to be the nice guy, right? I'm always like, hey, thanks for your help in this. Yeah. Right. But I love the, hey, when you get to this, you know, would you please do this for me? Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant strategy that keeps the conversation in line and moving forward versus making assumptions because the problem I got in trouble with early on with my VA, my virtual assistants, was I was assuming they understood what I meant, right? Yeah. So the and interpretation, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's, that's, that's a gem, brother. I'm going to have to borrow that one. So I think I'm going to keep my notepad next to you as I continue this conversation. So, because you're actually teaching me stuff. I love this. I cool. love it. So, so you've written a couple of books as well, uh -huh. and I, I was looking at them earlier, and there's something about jelly. I, I don't remember the full name of the book, but what, right. what, what is that book about? Right. So, um, so jelly, um, where I'm from in England, I think you guys call it Jello. You know that? Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That horrendous pudding that children like the afters, <laughs> the desserts. Um, and and what I was saying to them is when. It, basically, the whole book says this. When most people communicate, they do what you just said, Donnie. They, they think of every single thing they can think of, and it's like they put loads of jello into a bucket. They think, I could tell them this and this, and here's the map, and here's the pie charts, and here's when we were founded. Nobody cares. And here's right. this, and here's this. And then they pick this bucket or this pail up, which is full of jelly, and they just throw it straight at the audience's face. And that's how most people communicate. You know, you go to an update meeting and the boss says, these are all the things I've done last week. And um, you go to the sales professional who says, here are our 23 financial products. Right. Um, you talk to your kids and say, how was school? And they go, this is what we do. And so what happens is everyone basically jellies or jellos the audience. And the secret to wonderful communication is you take a step back and think, what jelly do you need here? And if somebody says, I just want one little spoon of green jelly, you go, here you are. But we don't do that. What we do is we pack everything in and throw it, but it's messy, it's sticky, it's horrible, it's expensive, it's wasteful. Nobody enjoys it. It's, it, it's just so much easier if you just say, what exactly do you need? And here you go. And that's all the book's about, how to strip out the jelly and just get straight to it. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, but let's say you're going into a new client meeting or you're going to a new prospect conversation. How do you find that individual piece of jelly? I love that. Cause we always call it verbal verbally vomiting all over your prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show up, throw up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but how do you find that, that, that one gem, that one thing you need to, to give to them, you know, perfect. Great question. Yeah. Great question. It's, it's partly research, but it's mainly preparing great questions. Yeah. Um, because unless you know the questions you're going to ask, what you do is you tend to ask what you asked last week. 
you know, and that might or might not be best practice. We often assume we ask great questions. If you ask everyone in the world, I mean, actually, I was speaking at a sales conference last week and I said, can you put your hand up if you think you are above average at asking questions? And every single person in the room put their hand up. Every single one. And I said, so you were all above average. And you could hear this. Yes, Andy, we're all above average. And I said, okay, now let me tell you how averages work. <laughs> Half of you are worse than average. Right. Because that's what an average is. And asking questions is one of those things we all think we're above average at. So I say to people, before you go in, two things to prepare, some really good questions and also some really good guidance. So think of things, do your research, think of things they probably don't know they don't know. Because the great thing about asking questions is you find out what people are thinking. The trouble with that is we're assuming they know what's best for them and they might Absolutely. not. Yeah. So it's a question preparing two things, questions and guidance. So I find out what's in your head, but also I can say, here's something that your peers are finding relevant in their industry. How does that sound? And so between your stuff in your head and my guidance, it doesn't take long before some hot stuff comes up. Yeah. And, and wouldn't you agree that, that in that moment, they have to be just curious as hell? I mean, you've yeah. got to go in there with the mindset of Sherlock Holmes going, why are we here? What, what are they, what's their struggle? What's their, you know, their issues, yeah. you know, and, and start uncovering things through proper questions. Um, I just don't think people generally give a shit about, about what the, the, the person they're talking to. Right. Most salespeople are going in there or, you know, presentations are happening because I need to sell you something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's the same in any communication. I mean, I was talking to one of um, uh, my customers, someone I've known for a long time. And he said, um, I'd like you to speak at a conference to a group who you haven't met yet. And I said, OK, cool. What do you want me to speak about? And he goes, well, I love your stuff, Andy. You know, you just go, go you go on stage and be interesting. <laughs> and I said, okay, um, let me ask you a different question. What are they shit at? Right. And he said, well, they're shit at this. And I said, well, why don't I talk about that then? He goes, that's a good idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's just so, but you just have to ask. It's like I could have gone and just been totally irrelevant to those guys. Right, right. And that, that's a brilliant move for all the speakers out there as well. But because I don't know, I, I think people want to be told what to do. Right. You know, at the end of the day, they really want somebody else to make the decision for them. Not everybody, but but a lot of people want somebody else to make the decision for them. Mm -hmm. The problem is the salespeople come in or people come in in communications and they want to freaking straight just walk up and punch somebody in the face and say, yeah. hey, we just met. Let's get married. You know, yeah. you know, all along the time without doing the whole courting ritual of understanding, you know, if they're really, really a good, good fit or, or, you know, they're worth doing business with. And it's interesting how badly people really are about asking questions. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, and, and people often sign questions as a sign of weakness. You know, I ought to know, uh, I was yes. working with some um, attorneys the other day and they were saying, you know, we're attorneys, we're clever, clever people. I said, yeah, but you've no idea what's going on inside my head. You know, you can study all you like, but you don't know what I'm thinking. Um, and so, you know, if you're putting together a proposal or a fee quote and someone says, you know, can you write one for me? I mean, I always say, I should just say before I tell you this, Donnie, my proposal success rate is 94%. You know, so they nearly all lead to business. And the main reason they do is when people say, can you write a proposal? I say, absolutely. What do you want in it? Yeah. And they say, what do you mean? I say, well, what headings do you want in it? Let's keep it nice and short. Like, what do you need to know? And they say, oh, I don't know, X, Y, Z. 
And so I just put in X, Y, Z and then they buy, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like rocket science, but it just isn't. So it's just a question of, and I said to the attorneys, if you think it's a sign of weakness to say, what do you want in your proposal? Then use the word irrelevant. So what you do is you say to someone, I would be delighted to send you this proposal, but I don't want to include anything irrelevant. Do you mind if I ask you some questions about the proposal? Now, what's someone going to say? They're not going to say, be irrelevant. Right. <laughs> you know, you can bore me as long as you like. You know, right. so once you've said something like, I don't want to be irrelevant here, or I want to make sure you find it useful, or I want to make sure you enjoy this meeting, or I really want the conference to cause a long-term impact. Once you've said that trigger, that setup phrase, it earns you permission to ask a really great question because you've put the benefit to them of answering the question before you've even asked the question. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and this applies throughout the entire process because what kept running through my head is this is what I used to do all the time in the budget. You know, when, when you're talking to somebody and they're like, hey, Donnie, what's this going to cost? I'm like, wow, that's an awesome question right now. You know, did, did you have already have a budget laid out in mind of what you were looking to pay for something like this? And it was amazing that when you came back and asked them a question to their question, um, you would learn a lot of times why they were asking that question right then, which yeah. is also more powerful than, than, you know, trying to just immediately throw a number at them. You know, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so you learned all this growing up with your mom, right. Uh -huh. and, and growing up with, with her, her blindness and all the way through, but I'm kind of betting that on your journey, a lot of this didn't come natural to you, right? Some of this is, is been learned along the ropes. Yeah. Um, Cause we're always evolving as we go on. How long did it take for you to kind of, kind of, step into it until you feel like it was a part of you, right? It was, it was part of your natural makeup, if you will. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it was, um, I mean, as, as say when talking to my mom as you know, as long as I can remember, I've never, I've never thought I didn't know how to communicate with her, you know, that that's just been part of my makeup. But from a, from a business point of view, um, I, yeah, you're getting me thinking. It's a great question. I think probably, um, so I always used to train small groups like 10 or 20. And then someone said, I've got a group of 30. Can you manage them? And I went, I hope so. And that <laughs> went fine. And then someone said, I've got 50. I was like, I hope so. Really? And then there was 150. And then I, I remember 150 was my biggest audience at the time. And then someone said, we wanted to speak at our conference and there's 1,500. And I thought, Okay. And then I had to think it through and I thought, well, hold on. You know, if you've got a group of 10 people, it's quite intimate. You know, they ask you questions. It's very interactive. When you have a group of 150, you don't really get questions from the floor. So actually going from 150 to 1500 is probably quite similar. It's not a big jump. Once you get your head around it, it's the right. same um, because you're not going to get questions from the floor. And weirdly, you could go to 15 million. And if you could get your head around it, it's the same because you're not going to get questions from the floor. So. Um, I did that and I remember going, I was just off stage and my wife was with me and I said, I'm a bit nervous about this one. I hope it goes all right. And then I suddenly had this moment. I go, do you know what? I think it's going to go really well. I'm going to nail this. And I remember just walking on feeling calm and then it was wonderful. And it was, it's still one of the most rewarding days of my life. I had this standing ovation at the end and cheering. And I mean, you might get this in the U S sometimes we do not get cheering in England. Oh. Like, <laughs> ever. 
just <laughs> ever. And uh, and I remember coming off stage thinking, oh, my life has changed now. Uh, I just, because, I mean, say with handling objections, one of the things I say to salespeople is um, the hardest person to convince is not the customer, it's yourself. You know, if deep down you think your product's too expensive, you'll say you hate the price objection. That's nothing to do with the customer. It's because you Absolutely. think it's too expensive. But I remember coming off stage thinking, life's different now. I just, I knew, I knew things had changed, you know? And so there was a very prestigious company about a week later said, would you come to our head office and meet our, you know, CEO and all that stuff. And the week before that conference, I might've been a bit nervous about it, but I was, yeah, of course I will. I'm looking forward to it. And I just felt that was my day. That, that right. was a glorious day. I still smile about it now. That was That's cool. awesome. And, you know, when you were starting it out and you were just doing the rooms of 10 people, did you see yourself standing on stage at 1,500? Not, not really. I mean, I, I saw a couple of people do it, and there was an element of, that looks cool. Um, I, 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 uh, I don't think I ever maybe saw myself doing it, but I just thought, that looks cool. I'd love to be able to do something like that one day. I think it was more like that. So it wasn't, I can't do that. It was, I'd love to be able to. Um, but I think once I'd started doing the 10 to 20 to 30 to 50 to 150, you know, even me with my slow brain was beginning to think 250 is possible here, 350 is possible here. And it wasn't necessarily, I wanted a bigger audience for my ego. It's just, it's just the most efficient way to change your company. You know, if they have 1500 people there, it's better that I teach them all at once rather than like 10 groups of 150. So actually it's the best, most valuable thing I can do is the best, most valuable use of my customer's money. So it's not that I need the crowd to feed my ego. It's like a crowd is a useful thing because it helps my clients improve super fast. I love this. You know, here's why I love it. And, and I drive some people nuts with this is I don't believe in goal setting. I don't think goal setting works. I think yeah, I that you that. must get incremental growth and then mm -hmm. to keep keep evolving to the next better version of yourself by going yeah. through it. I love this that you started off with a ten, and then you went to the twenty, and then you know the hundred, the hundred and fifty, and and you know you may have had a big bigger leap from the hundred fifty up to you know like that fifteen hundred, but but it all came from you weren't necessarily setting you know I'm going to be Tony Robbins type thing. You know, yeah, you sure. were, yeah. you're, you were saying, you know, I'm doing the next logical move in my business and then working towards that. It's brilliant because that's, that's, it's those things that I constantly hear that prove that quit setting these monstrous, what they call them, big, hairy, audacious goals, because all they yeah. do is demotivate you. I mean, yeah. at the time you were sitting there talking to 10 people, you know, if somebody would have said, all right, Andy. Uh, you're in front of 1500 people tomorrow, or if you had the thought that I'm going to be in front of 1500 people, one of two things are, is most likely going to happen. Either one, when you're doing 10 to go to 1500, you're liable to say no immediately. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, uh, the That's other right. thing is, is, is if you had that vision of I'm going to be on the big stages and everything else, there's a chance in your mind, you start self-sabotaging because you don't really believe you deserve to be there. You can get there. And, you know, so, so good on you, brother. Well done. Yeah. Well thank done. you. And I, I love the way you're saying this because it's a bit like, you know, if you thought I'm going to be at 1500 one day, then if somebody had said, Andy, would you like to speak in front of 50? You can begin to say, no, I'm waiting for the 1500. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, so you, you, you know, you, you just have to do what, you know, what, what feels right to you. And it's, um, 
you know, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a, a wonderful privilege what I do. You know, I, I love it. Um, uh, and I love it when people say, Andy, we think we might want to work with you. What do you think? And I always say, I've no idea. You know, let, let's just have a conversation um, and we'll see how it feels to each other. It's almost a bit like you said before, the analogy of um, going on a date. You know, if you go on a date thinking, I'm going to marry her, you know, or I'm going to marry him, uh, there is a chance that that first date will feel a little bit pressurized by you. And that might be one where they go to the restroom and then don't come back straight afterwards because right. you're a bit too full on. Um, but if you just think, I just want us both to have a first nice half hour and we'll see how we do. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed that first half hour. Let's have another cup of tea. Oh, sorry, England cup of tea. Um, and well, that, and it's just we drink tea stuff. over here as well, just not the oh, way. Oh, is that okay? We get, we get those little packets that you put in water and, and turn those in the tea, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we like that. I must okay. just say, by the way, one, one beautiful thing about, about your, your country is this. If I, when I speak in your, in your country, almost always there's someone who comes up afterwards and says, you know, that, that's great, Andy, I'm going to use it tomorrow. You know, they have this real sort of effusive praise. I can use this. I'm, I'm so grateful to have this gift. Right. Um, and there are some places I speak, um, like some parts of, of my country and, and a few other countries, that where they come up to you say, what you've just taught me, I didn't know that. And I wish I'd known it last week because it would have been helpful then. <laughs> so I much prefer the guys to go, we can use this tomorrow then. Thanks a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, in, I'm in talks to come over uh, to the UK and do some speaking and we'll see how those go. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to that, that different dynamics. I spoke in Ireland, uh, last year and that was a, a, a different crowd and it, not a different energy. It was just different. Um, because you're right out here in the U S you know, you get, I felt like a little bit more interactive, a little bit more engaged audience. And, uh, when I was in Ireland, they were fun. We, we joked, we laughed. But it was it was just different. I don't even know how to describe yeah. it, but it, yeah. but it, it, it is was different. Fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So where's all this stuff taking you, Andy? I mean, I mean, you you've had a cool life so far, of mm -hmm. you know, growing up the way you did. I, I I love this approach that you're doing it because you learned it with through you know your blind mom, which is mm. it, it's a beautiful thing because that's such a unique positioning in the marketplace um, when there's when there's so much messages out there. But where's all this taking you? You know, are, are you going to yeah. so be the next my, man on the moon? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's like you said before about goals and so on. My, my, I mean, I'm, I'm nearly uh, 50 now. And I think one of the things I find is what the main thing I want is just a sense of balance and happiness and to feel I'm contributing in a way that makes me feel good, whatever I'm doing. So I want to get the balance right between being at work and being at home. I want to be just an amazing dad for my kids, an amazing husband to my beautiful wife, Emma. Um, I want to be an amazing partner with all my customers and my suppliers and the ecosystem I work within. And, but I want to be in balance because some of those are mutually exclusive. You know, I cannot be a wonderful father to my six-year-old Tom if I'm currently preparing a presentation for my largest client. And so it's just a question of making sure I, I'm in balance and I'm contributing and I'm happy. Um, because when I'm 55, I'll, I'll want different things than when I'm 50. So I imagine that balance will change a bit. But as long as I have balance and I'm contributing and I'm happy, that'll do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Andy, I got to tell you, man, this has been a lot of fun having you on the show. Oh, um, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you. 
Um, how do people get in touch with you? Where do they find you? Where do they find your books? All that. Okay, so um, the books on Amazon's the easiest place. Just type in my name um, in the search. Um, uh, if anyone wants to have a chat with me, I love talking to people. As you can tell, I'm kind of chatty. So um, my uh, website is just andybounds.com. Uh, I have some videos if people like those, andybounsonline.com. But so I'm dead easy to find. If you type in the name Andy Bounds, so andybounds.com or andybounsonline.com, and people will be able to reach me that way. And I would love to hear from anyone. I, you know, if people want to get in contact about the biggest communication challenges, I love to bounce those ideas off people. Um, I particularly love it if people have got great communication ideas. Donny, I get a number of people getting in contact and saying, Andy, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I find this is a great idea. Um, so anything, just I'm an open book. People can contact me whenever they want, Donnie. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, brother, here's how I like to wrap up every show. And I do stump some people. So get ready for this. I'm going right. to be asking a question, Andy. Um, <laughs> so if you were going to leave the champions who've listened to this show, business owners, entrepreneurs, a lot of veterans and first responders, all of them are in some stage of their journey where they're trying to figure out how to level up and go to that next better version of themselves and evolve. If you were to give them a motto, a quote, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it, trying yeah. to figure it out, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Remember this, it would be for you to achieve um, the wonderful things that you're looking to achieve and to, and to grow in any way, ultimately you have to have even more valuable conversations with even more valuable people. And you need both. So if you had even better conversations with current people, that will help you a bit, but the ceiling is fixed there because your current people, you know, you have that fixed. But if you can have even more valuable conversations with even more valuable people, whatever value means to you, then it means that you're always growing. And so it doesn't mean to um, denigrate the people you're talking to here because everybody is valuable. But ultimately, you want better conversations with better people. And if you have that, I promise you, you will grow. That's awesome, brother. Andy, it's been, it's been an honor, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. Thanks for coming on the show. You're so welcome. All the best. Thank you. And the ground is no place for a champion. What a cool episode, man. That was just a great conversation, a great time, and I'm I was I'm honored to call Andy a friend. Uh, I really enjoyed um, his insights and everything that he walked us through during this episode. Do me a favor, guys, go check out his social media. Go go say hi and hello. Let him know you heard his, heard him him in a story on Success Champions, and then come hang out in the group. You know, go to Facebook. Type in the word success champions up in the search bar, click on groups, and we'd love to welcome you in as part of the family. Last but not least, guys, if you got any value out of this, share this with one person um, and, and let them know that they should be tuning into the show. Your reviews are my lifeblood. I truly appreciate it. Thanks, guys, and have an awesome day. Stay out of trouble and, and go big and loud, would you? Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. 
Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.